0: It's the Quantum Divide. It's a podcast for people curious about quantum networking, what it means for the IT industry and what it might mean for them. It's still early days for quantum, but it's a very broad industry with many different topics to understand. The most imminent are post-quantum cryptography and quantum key distribution. Looking further ahead, there are many academics building ways to distribute quantum computers, to leverage the power of multiple machines over a network, and how to manage quantum state over that network. Greetings, I'm Dan Home. I'm a quantum curious technologist with no classical training in quantum physics. So basically that means I'll be the one asking all the stupid questions. For me, this podcast is a vehicle to build my knowledge and I want to take you on that journey with me. Thankfully, I won't be producing this podcast all on my own. I'll be joined by my colleague, Steve. We want to bring you as many interesting topics and discussions on quantum networking that we can together. Steve, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Hello, I'm Steven Diademo, a research scientist at Cisco. My background is in quantum networks and communication. I'll also be asking the stupid questions. <laughs> this podcast has a twofold benefit for me. One, to stay up to date with the current trends in quantum networks and communication and two, to improve on being able to digest the material for the interested listeners. Thanks for joining.
0: Okay, for this first episode, just a couple of minutes to talk about the vision, really, for this podcast. Quantum networking for me is such a fascinating topic. I guess not only because of the sci-fi feel of the technology and the way quantum mechanics works, but also because computer networking in general is a passion for a long time, and I feel like I'm coming home to it, having been away for some time albeit on a slightly alien planet. So now onto the goal of this podcast is to slowly educate myself and you on everything that's happening in quantum networking. Initially, Steve and I will cover some fundamentals, but when I say cover, I mean discuss peppered with some mild confusion, I would think. We won't explain the absolute basics. We'll start with quantum state. We'll touch on quantum hardware for networking, direct transmission, entanglement distribution, swapping, And whatever else we come across, we'll make sure we go into integration with classical networking, all the cryptography topics like QKD and post-quantum cryptography, but ultimately we're going to have some fun with this initially. And then eventually we'll start bringing in a wide range of experts and dabblers to paint a broader picture. I'd say the target audience here is anybody working in quantum, but also anybody working in IT. Okay, Steve, let's get started.
1: Yeah, so the key point of the key thing to do when you're moving quantum states, okay, let's see. So there's two ways to do it. Like, when if you want to bring a qubit from Alice to Bob over some significant distance, then there are two ways to do that. And that's using this transmission over the quantum channel. So you just take the qubit, put it into a fiber, send the qubit through the fiber, and then it arrives at Bob's side. The problem with that, which I Yeah, there's some pictures there. (laughs) You can't talk about pictures. You can't show the you can talk about pictures, you can't show the pictures. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So unfortunately, but I can explain that more. So the problem with this is when you transmit a quantum state, if that quantum state is holding valuable information and then you send it through the fiber, you have not much control over keeping that quantum state in the fiber. So the quantum state can get kicked out of the fiber and it'll never make it to Bob and if you use a lot of resources to prepare the quantum state then you've lost something quite valuable so what people propose is instead of sending the qubit directly through the fiber because as the fiber increases in length it gets even more hard to do the direct transmission is to use quantum teleportation so quantum teleportation is a protocol so to say that uses another part of quantum is quantum mechanics is quantum entanglement. So instead of sending the information containing qubits over the fiber, what you send is something that's less valuable, is half of an EPR pair. So that EPR pair you can generate over and over again, it contains no information, it's just a renewable resource, so to say. You can just generate it repeatedly, it contains no information, and if you lose it, it doesn't really matter. But if it makes it to Bob's side, so if Alice and Bob share the entangled pair, then they can send the qubit state, the important qubit state, using the entanglement without risking the loss of that qubit. So they can
0: Yeah, let me let me take a step back for a second. First of all, the approach is sending quantum state over the quantum channel using photons. I was had just for somebody that knows about traditional networking and optics, how is that different to using light to carry traffic? My understanding is that it's actually a case of sending one photon at a time. Is that right?
1: Yes, correct. So the, when you send a classical message, the intensity of those photons, which means the quantity of those photons, is just higher. When you go to the quantum level, it's basically just filtering out all of sorry, all the additional photons until you're left with one and that photon will hold the quantum state. So it's that's, there's a lot of similarities with classical communication and quantum communication using photons in fiber optics. It's more or less the challenge of getting the photons across the channel is much harder in quantum because you just have that one chance, you have that one photon and all the information is in that one photon. But when you're sending a zero state or one state, classically, you essentially just turn on the intensity, make it high enough, it can make it across the fiber. At least some of the photons will make it to the fiber, and there's multiple copies of the same state. Where in the quantum case, you don't have that ability; you have one chance,
0: and that's why they say. But the sending of the state is very lossy, right? It's very lossy, but because you've got the traditional things like dispersion of light and the distance, the quality of, and power of the optics, and so on, all of those things, which uh, once a link is tuned correctly in traditional networking, is sufficient enough to send up to 1, 10, 40, 100 gigabits per second, whatever. So there is no way to try and optimize that really because you have to send one at a time and have a detector that's proceeding the same stream in the right order at the direct.
1: Exactly. So there's some exceptions. There's some schemes that what they call a quantum amplifier. But in general, yeah, for an arbitrary qubit, you can copy it and you can't make any repetition of the state. So you get one chance and that's all it if it's lost you can't recover it. You can, you basically have to restart from the beginning. So that's the problem. But yeah, in terms of classical communication, you just, you have much more power to work with. You have repetition, you have copying, you have much more to get that information from a point A to point B. What would
0: be the benefit of the approach of using sending the state over the quantum channel?
1: Sending the state directly over the quantum channel is a lot easier than establishing entangled pairs between distancing parties, mainly because there's no quantum memory at the moment. There exists some quantum memories. They're not, at the moment, good enough to do quantum teleportation. In the lab, there's been demonstrations of quantum teleportation, but in the lab setting, you have a lot more control over what's happening in the network. But yeah, that's the the advantage of using direct transmission is you don't need quantum memories, and you don't need to establish entangled pairs with high fidelity. Those are easier to do sometimes. <laughs> like so, distance. When it comes to long distance, you have no option. You have to use some form of teleportation or quantum repeater. So for short distances, probably direct transmission could, especially for things like QKD, quantum key distribution, it's probably it makes more sense just to use direct transmission. But if you're doing something like distributed quantum computing, then yeah. I think I got a little bit off topic. No, <laughs> <easily> <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> why, why one or the other? So direct transmission is simpler to do in general, yeah. although you can't. It has the finite distance. If you want to exceed the finite distance, you have no choice but use quantum teleportation. So at least in the early stages of quantum networks.
0: Okay, so I'm still sticking on number one here, <laughs> trying <laughs> to take it slowly, S- sending the state over the yeah. quantum channel. You would be sending qubits with particular are they in a superposition as they go across the link or are they sent with a particular state to be read other around?
1: So it depends on the protocol that you're running. So in general, the quantum state is in any state, any superposition state. It could be completely it's completely up to the protocol. Yes, it could be in a superposition, but if you're doing something like QKD, okay, some of the states are not in a superposition, but some of them are. Depends there's so many factors, but in general, you can not make any assumption of what what's on, what's contained in that yeah. qubit. So I would say yes, it's always in a superposition state because that's the safe assumption. So make.
0: with QKD as an example, what would you be sending over the link to make that work?
1: We're not talking yeah, about entanglement oh, yet,
0: are we? So that, that's going to be a different mm-hmm. set of photons to be sent over the link. So if you're not doing entanglement, what is it that you want to send over the link?
1: So in the QKD case, that's why I like QKD so much, is because it's like a stepping stone application. It's not such an intense application that we can't do it yet. We definitely can do it now. But what's contained in the qubits is classical information encoded into the qubit. So that means, I mean, it's still a quantum state. It's still a quantum piece of information. But encoding it is more, it's almost a binary state. You just have to perform a binary encoding that kind of simplifies the encoding process and the decoding process because you can use things like a beam splitter, which can direct the zero state or the one state accordingly. But what happens is in QKD, especially like BB84, for example, is the simplest example to use. I think is you polarize the light in the one zero state or you polarize in a horizontal basis, which is the plus minus state. So it's just using a superposition state or a classical state and you transmit classical information in that way.
0: Okay. Does it give you it's, more options to encode things in less packets or something because you have more different things you can represent on a single qubit?
1: In QKD, you're still representing bits. So each photon contains one bit can't exceed one bit per qubit. That's like a some capacity, some theoretical capacity of what your information can encode and decode on one qubit. You can put infinite amount of information on the qubit, a encoding, it's a completely continuous block sphere, for example, but extracting the information with one qubit, you can't ex- exceed one bit. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: So my understanding about what's the there is it's, it's the wave function, mm-hmm. right, which will collapse when when it's observed into one particular state. Mm-hmm. So how could you carry Maybe this is a tangent, but how could you carry infinite information if actually when you look at it, it's only going to be one bit?
1: It's, yeah, that's, you could put, yeah, that's the thing like, for example, let's say you'd have a thousand bits of information, like that thousand bits of information can be put in by like decimal number. And then the block sphere, it's continuous sphere is just a degree. You can think of it as just a on a globe or something in the sphere. So you can make that infinitely precise and you can put the information into that sphere, as what you mean like the information is physically there, but getting it out is not possible. And that's why the decoding is important. You can't extract that information out. So that's a problem. It's, yeah. So it's, it's, it depends how you look at it. <laughs> so the information is physically there, but getting it out, you can't get it. It's just, it's gone. Okay, I think
0: I'm I'm confused enough now to probably move on to the next one before it gets even worse. Quantum entanglement and teleportation. Mm -hmm. I know that teleportation is not like the traditional kind of Star Trek type teleportation, and and what we're doing here is splitting entangled pairs of photons, and these entangled pairs are entangled in such a way that an action on one results in the same behavior in the other because they are connected through the wave function somehow. The wave function of the universe?
1: I think so. The wave function observation. So when I hear wave function, I think of quantum mechanics and I think of the Schrodinger equation. Yes. And the Schrodinger equation basically dictates how the quantum state evolves with time. When you think about quantum computing, quantum communication, generally you don't want things to evolve with time. You want them to evolve after you operate on them. So like the connection between wave function and block sphere Wave function would dictate how, if you take the system, you put it into an environment, and then you just observe it. The wave function will determine how that system evolves with time with respect to the environment that it's in. So you can imagine, let's say, you take a qubit, you prepare it in a state, then you put it into a magnetic field, and then you watch it. And how, what happens to that qubit in the magnetic field is defined by the wave function for a particular point. So it's usually a time-dependent thing. So when I think about quantum communication, I think we don't want that quantum state to change. When you encode something into the qubit, you want it to stay that way until it's recovered by Bob, or else the information changes. Basically, you get noise in your decoding. So I always try to picture things in terms of just Noiseless evolution of quantum states—they only evolve when we at, we put them in through shine light at them or somehow interact with the qubit. That's the only time it changes. So it's almost not time dependent; it's like discrete time dependent. The <laughs> only change when it only changes state when we do something to it. So that's I think an easier interpretation. Yeah, you have the qubit; it's fixed until you operate on it. Fine. And so, entanglement entanglement is, is, like you said, they're correlated. Two two photons, two qubits, they're correlated in a way that if you measure one of them, then there's something happens to the other one. Operating on them alone is not enough to influence the other. You have to make a measurement, and when you measure, then it collapses the quantum state into a a subset of the states, and those subset states actually influence. It forces the, the other part of the entanglement to collapse into one of those states. Are they always identical? The
0: states which are result after the measurement?
1: No, not always. So there's what we call maximally entangled states. Maximally entangled means that they're either completely correlated, which means they're exactly the same, or they're anti correlated, which means they're exactly opposite. But it's not always necessary to have maximally entangled state. And therefore, they don't always have to be the same output. Yeah, and they only also don't have to have the same patterns. They don't have to be like completely correlated or completely anticorrelated. something in the middle, too.
0: So how do you want to explain the quantum entanglement? Yeah, you know, I know we're both looking at a circuit diagram here. Do you want to describe that? Yeah, or, uh...
1: yeah so we usually what we think about when we talk about quantum Protocols, you usually want to use the maximally entangled states that are either completely correlated or anti correlated, the protocols can be modified accordingly. It's not so important what flavor they have. But usually we're talking about the maximally entangled state, which is in the zero, zero, one, one bell state. And that means like if you measure zero on one, you'll get zero on the other for sure. If on one, you get one on the other side as well. Like completely deterministically after the measurement has been made. And those are easy to work with because then you can write the math down much simpler and thinking about that perfect correlation is a lot easier to use. So in quantum teleportation, we assume that it's that exact state, the 0011 state. Yeah, so quantum teleportation uses that state and at least in principle, in practice, things are different. You have noise and you somehow, when you're distributing bell pairs, you don't always get that state. You could... Distribute a bell pair but not get the zero zero one. state. Anyways, divergent. But in the circuit diagram, we are looking at we have a arbitrary quantum state. And then we assume that there's this bell pair that's already established between the two communicating parties. Then what we have, so that means that Alice, who is descending the qubit, has her quantum state plus one additional state, which is her. Ha- of the total entanglement state. So it's an additional qubit. So she has two qubits in total, one containing her information and one half of an entangled pair. On Bob's side, he has the other half of the entangled pair. And he doesn't need to interact. So he only interacts with that qubit when Alice specifies what to do with it. So on Alice's side, she takes her qubit and she performs a certain operation. And that's a two qubit operation where she interacts her information containing qubit with her half of the entangled pair. And then she has to perform a measurement on her side. Actually, she measures both of those qubits. And that's because when you make the measurement, then the system collapses. Only when you make the measurement does the system collapse. And then she sends those. So that's what Alice does. And then now she has, because she measured two qubits, she has two bits of information. And those two bits of information she has to classically send to Bob. So that's it is a pure classical transmission. And Bob receives the two bits of information and he can now do something on his half of the entangled state, which is still in a quantum state. It's not measured. He has to hold on to it in some memory. And with those two bits of information, he applies what we call like a correction, some kind of quantum correction. And what happens after he replies that correction is his half of the entanglement is exactly in the state of the information containing qubit that alice had on her side and that's the quantum teleportation protocol so now he has a qubit it's not measured he just performs certain operations on it and now what information that qubit holds is exactly the information that was held by alice's side by alice's information containing very importantly is alice no longer has access to any of her qubits they're gone Or at least the information inside those qubits is gone. So it's a physical, it's not a physical movement, it's a transfer of information. So the information is lost on Alice's side and it exists on Bob's side. Yeah, it's
0: fascinating. It really is. So you've got the no cloning there, which is what you're throwing to there. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you can essentially send information across the optical link without needing to send the information across the optical link (laughs) is wild. It really is.
1: Be, one thing though is, is there is one transmission made. It's a classical transmission, like that. I know you mean, like it's a fascinating thing for sure. You're sending quantum information using classical transmission. That's more precise, I'd yeah. say. It's, but you still have to make a transmission. You still need some connection between Alice and Bob.
0: Sure, but the information that's encoded across the entangled yeah. pair is mm-hmm. not sent across the classical connection, is it? Yes. It's more like a control. Mm-hmm. The way I see it, it's like a control
1: layer. So that we would rely on this scheme for transmitting quantum information over long distances, simply because it's too lossy to send the information containing qubits directly through the fiber, especially when that qubit is valuable. Then it's really costly to lose that
0: qubit. Yeah, and you're losing it on a whole potential security opportunity here, right? In that the, the information that's sent mm-hmm. across entangled pairs cannot be captured in any way on route. And I know that obviously we can't break the laws of physics, so you can't send it faster than the speed of light. But will it mean potentially that in very big networks that there will be quite large speed improvements in the way data can be transmitted? Because I'm assuming that the yeah. entanglement—that mm-hmm. it's an instant when Bob looks at and acts on the on his entangled part of the pair, there, that he gets an instant reaction from it to. Reveal the same information that Alice has, mm-hmm. and that does sound like it's faster than the speed of light, but it's not because the control traffic has to be sent in advance.
1: Yeah, exactly. So because those two bits of classical information have to be sent, class- or using light speed, there's no instant. There's an instantaneous reaction to the entangled pair, but Bob has no idea that Alice measured anything. When Bob measures his qubit, if he doesn't know Alice measured hers as well. There's nothing saying that his qubit. They, they He'll know that whatever he measures, Alice will have measured, but that doesn't mean there's any information encoded in that qubit. Before any collapse has been made, any made it's random output T50 in a Bell state. So Bob will measure, he'll see a zero and he'll see a one with equal probability. Alice is guaranteed to see the same thing, but that just means we both flipped a coin and we saw the same thing. That's not message transmission. So there's no way just because we both have the same random output doesn't mean I communicated anything to you. But what could be done is you can use that as a strategy. It's not like we can have faster communication, but we can have faster strategizing. So if we want to play a game together, for example, and you say, I'll act, if, if I measure zero, I'll act in this way. And if you measure zero, you act in that way. And we can actually play, we can actually improve in some schemes, in some games, using strategies. And this is actually more interesting to me, that we can behave in synchronous without communicating at all. You can also do this classically, but in some cases you can modify the entanglement and actually improve on the winning probability of some games. So let me try to rephrase that. So you can imagine, let's say we're playing a strategy game and we both are holding a coin. So I flip a coin and I get heads, and I say I'll move left if I get, and I'll move if I get tails. And you would do the same, or you maybe you do the opposite. And this way, we try to avoid collisions or something. I don't know. And you could do that classically, and we don't have to communicate. But if we have entanglement, we could coordinate ourselves. Say I'll measure my qubit, and you measure your qubit, uh, or I'll apply some operation on my qubit and then measure it, and you do the same. Mm-hmm. In some cases, you game, yeah, it's not a very good but you can play games with entanglement and you can coordinate and win some specific games with higher probability than if you just had that coin. Now,
0: whilst you're trying to explain the interesting analogy, I'm constantly thinking about the application of this and how it compares to classical networking and Mm -hmm. what, what applications are there in classical networking that this would either improve or be equivalent to or act upon. And i it's difficult to think potentially control information, potentially decision-making in the network could mm. use this somehow to, you know, alter the way routing protocols work or something. But I would guess there's probably quite a lot of the benefits that we don't really know yet what they're going to be on how this technology is going to be applied to changing the way information is sent across networks on the internet. Is there any th- research out there going on at the moment that's looking at the, the higher order applications of this type, these types of things?
1: I know, so in game theory, the subset of game theory, quantum game theory, but going at works, I know I've seen one paper, something like five years ago, that talk about using entanglement to manage congestion in classical networks. And I haven't been able to find that paper since, and I don't know if I'm imagining it or not, but (laughs) I swear I read something about that at some point. And it's essentially using paths in network, using entanglement, measuring the entanglement to just make decisions on which path to take. And this way you could choose paths so that you avoid congestion in the network. Uh, But other than that, I haven't seen too many results about thinking about using entanglement in that way. I know an exhaustive list of scientific output. It's, I think it's not such a popular field at the moment.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one. It feels very top-heavy to put all of that type of technology and just to optimize mm-hmm. the routing in that way and ensure that there's perhaps no queuing and, and scheduling happening, interfaces mm-hmm. in the read. But,
1: but, but maybe just one more point I want to make is it's very important to think about the things that, can be done better with quantum entanglement. There's actually a lot of cases you think, okay, we have this shared source of randomness completely correlated, but that doesn't mean you have an advantage. You can also take a ran- pseudo random number generator and plug in the same seed and we will have the correlated outputs as well. You don't need entanglement to have correlated random outputs. So there's a very fine line between quantum advantage and not. And I think this also is why it's not such a popular field. It's very hard to find that advantage. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah no, this way? is going to be interesting. Through. I
0: think in this <laughs> podcast, as part and ones that we record going forward, ultimately we've we spent most of this time talking about the very fundamentals of how quantum states can be transferred. But there are many different applications of that potentially, and there's lots of different aspects of it, such as the transmitters, the receivers, quantum memory you mentioned, and the fact that needing to use repeaters of some kind to... Uh, send quantum information. I read something that, that about a an experiment where it actually proved that quantum repeaters can work. So something I'm sorry, I don't have the actual reference to me, but I'll put it in the, the pod notes if I get a chance. Yeah. And we've touched on the kind of issues with direct transmission. The fact that the links are very lossy. Fiber optics obviously gives you a limited amount of distance and obviously it's a bit different when we get into space. Free space networks, like satellites and so on, but perhaps that's that's definitely a topic for another time. Is there anything else that you think we need to add when it comes to the fundamentals of how quantum state is transferred? I mean, without getting too much down into the
1: physics, I think that's mostly the that's the core of it, at least. Direct transmission entanglement swap. Sorry. Oh yeah, I guess there's one part. Yeah, if we go into the more depths, is like the quantum repeater and what does a quantum repeater do? That would be one part to touch on, I think, because that's also, it's just because you have the ability to do teleportation doesn't mean you exceed the limitations of fiber communication. So you need, still need a repeater, but teleportation basically enables that repeater, at least what we call the first generation repeater. Yeah,
0: that's right. Repeaters I think in the quantum world are not the same as fire or something that is receiving packets, deconstructing them or reconstructing them or anything because it, first of all, it can't interfere with the photons and the qubits. So it's using, these things are using teleportation, right? To, my understanding is to receive state of incoming qubits and transfer them to different entangled pairs so that the state can then be passed on. That yeah, that's my super high level view. But...
1: Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good interpretation. It's simply just, it's exactly, it's just teleportation chain, essentially. <laughs> teleport, 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 and then eventually it arrives where it needs to go. But each of those teleportations requires point-to-point entanglement, at least in some cases. It depends how you implement implementing the, the swapping procedure, but yeah, you could, in theory, do it as a teleportation chain, or you can do this entanglement swapping procedure that at the end of the procedure, the, only the endpoints of the chain have entanglement. And then you make teleportation directly. Those are two ways to do it somehow, but that's mostly it. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're looking quite forward into the future and be able to do this type mm. of thing. Like I said, I saw an experiment recently where they had enabled this teleportation using a repeater, but I guess that was over two links, yeah. and obviously in a very in a lab environment, basically, and using technology that's, that's built specifically for that task. We're going to be years, or decades away, even that. For this to be applicable in the real world and I expect these types of devices will end up looking like perhaps transceivers or optics that go in forwarding uh, information management nodes of some kind of you could call them routers but ultimately it depends on what it is that's
1: doing uh, yeah no it's, it makes sense yeah these things are still completely it's mostly academic work I think were some time away from being deployed in practice, although it's not not stopping people. There's people putting these technology into metropolitan scale networks. It's a push, like a lot of people thinking forwardly, but also some groundwork to come. Yeah,
0: maybe just a couple of minutes on what's happening in the real world. I'm aware of a couple of partnerships that Cisco has with some universities where some of these kind of concepts are being tested in the real world across metropolitan networks I'm aware of one in Cambridge for example. Perhaps we can talk about that in a separate call. Are there any others that you'd like to highlight where quantum networking is being tested in the real world? And if so, which concepts that we touched on today are relevant?
1: Yeah. So generally these were deployed into metropolitan scales either QKD but most commonly QKD actually there hasn't really been Any entanglement distribution networks so far until recently, actually. So the QKD ones are interesting because it's a commercial product. People want security. And so these are, but it's getting old. It's not really, it's all in the young stage of quantum networks. It's been done a few times now and we've seen it. It gets more advanced every time, higher communication rates. But for the first time, I think this year, we've seen. A metropolitan scale entanglement distribution network. So that's something to look at, I think, and that's what deployed in New York. I don't know much about it, actually, I need to do my own reading, but I saw the highlights, at least. And so this network is different, because it's not doing QKD, but it's distributing entanglement as far as I
0: So think. yeah, the thing with, well, I'm translating what you said there to, to me, QKD is not that interesting to some people in the field anymore, because it's maturing. So that's right. Obviously, it's be exciting in the way that it's going to be changing the way we do cryptography, and it's going to be important for ensuring we've got quantum-safe cryptography going forward.
1: Yeah, I think in general, it's one of the, it's the most mature, as you said, the most mature, hopping and corner communication. It's gone through quite a few iterations, definitely seen – a lot of varieties of it so not only through fiber optics also through space communication near distance long distance different types of protocols different designs for the network for the QKD also the classical parts have been well established now so not only do you need to transmit the key using the quantum states but then you need to extract the key efficiently and then store the key efficiently so not only do you have you still have a key you need to keep that safe classically too. So all the things that, like surrounding QKD like have been not well established, but they're much, much further established than any other quantum application for networks. Yeah, I think yeah, I think QKD is a topic on its own. It's another most definitely. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay.
0: Thank you, Steve. I think we'll wrap it up there. There's just so many topics that we could go into, and I think we're going to have mm-hmm. to end up recording quite a few of these to to do them justice. So thanks very much, and I'll speak to you next time. My pleasure. I'd like to take this moment to thank you for listening to the podcast. Quantum networking is such a broad domain, especially considering the breadth of quantum physics and quantum computing, all as an undercurrent, easily to get sucked into. So much is still in the research realm, uh, which can make it really tough for a curious IT guy to know where to start. So hit subscribe or follow me on your podcast platform. And I'll do my best to bring you more prevalent topics in the world of quantum networking, spread the word. It would really help us out.